The SEC officially fines the Razorbacks $250,000 for storming the court. Okay. We're going to talk about that as well as previewing a little bit of Arkansas and Alabama this weekend and giving you an update on the NFL Combine dealing with the Razorback football players. It's all coming up on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday. Still coming off of that high from the Arkansas victory over the Auburn Tigers, number one team in the country. Um, I still have ringings in my ears. Uh, I still can't fully hear. Going to sleep is always a little bit of a chore just because uh, of the noise level. It's like I have to have like an extra fan in my bedroom just to kind of help out with the ringing. So hopefully uh, a lot of you are dealing with the same thing if you were there, which again, it's weird to say hopefully you are, but it just goes to show you how great it is and how much fun it was uh, in that game as well. And, you know, I have some thoughts that, uh, of course, occurred to me yesterday officially when the announcement, the inevitable announcement that we all knew what was coming is that the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, finds Arkansas $250,000 for rushing the court against Auburn. Now, they announced it on Wednesday, and even though it was mostly students, part of the whiteout and everything, you know, they, the players enjoyed it. The coaches got into it. He's you no know, Eric Musman started dancing around and everything. But uh, apparently the fine and the reason it's this high is it's the Razorbacks' third offense under the SEC's access to competition area policies that were updated in 2015. Arkansas had previously been fined for rushing the field after a 17-0 win over LSU back in 2014 in Razorback Stadium. And then, of course, they rushed the field this past football season with a 40-21 win over number 15, Texas. Uh, apparently, this is according to Tom Murphy, who's writing the report on it. Uh, athletic Director Hunter Yurichek declined a request for comment uh, as far as that goes. But we do know, and I love this from Hunter Yurichek, that he tweeted out a side-by-side -side picture of the rushing of the field against Texas and the rushing of the court against Auburn and with the fans on there. And he just put the caption of priceless, you know, which I loved because that just shows that, hey, he doesn't, he doesn't mind paying the fine when it's that and hashtag win is one razor back is what accompanied the post. So when I saw that Arkansas got fined, again, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't shocked or anything like that. It's, it's the rules are, you know, you can't do it. And the third offense is a $250,000 fine. But here's here's some of the issues that I have with this. And, and just the, the, the consistency out of it and, and the spirit of it all. I'll be clear in saying that I understand why they don't want people or may want to discourage people from rushing the field or rushing the court at a high clip. Like, there's no reason for teams to rush the field and rush the court all the time. There's just not. And you don't want to do that because it's a it's a high-risk, high-reward type thing. People can get hurt. People can get injured. People can have issues, whatever, whatever it may be. I mean, even in the stort corming uh, that – or the stort corming – court storming that Arkansas had uh, with uh, Auburn, you know, there's someone that uh, I guess was a diabetic – that was having some uh, health issue and they had to go on the PA and say, can a medical profession please come 
to the scores table. Uh, and so, you know, the, you had something like that happen. I know people have been talked about, uh, you know, falling down and it's, and it can be pretty dangerous, but you also got to be pretty, you know, on top of it and everything. Like it's, I get the spirit of the rule. It is a dangerous thing to do, but it's an extremely fun thing and rewarding thing to do. And the fact that the SEC is fining Arkansas a quarter of a million dollars for not only their third offense, but their third offense over like a seven year span. I, I don't, I think there needs to be like a statute of limitations. Like, I think every five years it needs to reset or something like that. Because that is extremely dumb that when 2014, when Brett Bielema and Jeff Long were in place, that Arkansas is still getting punished or at least still having to pay for that offense, making this their third offense and counting that one as the first one. Like, I think that's really dumb and out of the spirit of the rule. And I saw also somebody tweeted it out and it was exactly my thoughts. And I apologize if you listen to the podcast and this is you that tweeted it out. I don't remember who tweeted it out, but it was such a great point in talking about how the SEC, who sends out these fines and has these rules, it doesn't make sense that they do all that and promote it and celebrate it and put out videos of it and talk about what a scene, how awesome it is, and then find them because of it. Like if you go on the SEC network and all their and their Twitter page and, and, and Facebook page and social media, they have a plethora of videos about the court storming and what a scene it is and how amazing it is. They have uh, on SEC now and the uh, SEC network that way on actual television, they're blowing it up and talking about what, what, a what, a, how awesome this is. Like everybody involved with any sort of level of SEC media or anything is celebrating this, enjoying this, calling it huge, calling it fun, calling it having to go viral, whatever. But yet then the SEC comes in and it's like, even though we promoted that, even though we were having a good time and said how awesome it was and how incredible this is and how it's so much fun, and we really appreciate the positive attention that was brought to a team in our conference, here's your fine. To me, that is completely and totally counterintuitive. I don't think that that benefits anybody. I don't think that that is, I think that that just makes it sound so backwards where we're going to take all the positive publicity from it, but we're still going to find you the school for it. If anything, it's like I saw that Josh Pate put this out too. It was a great job with uh, the, I think it's called the, the, the late show. I'm sorry, but he was, he does football mainly. He was just like, I'm surprised that Arkansas hasn't, you know, called, made the SEC pay a fine to them for the times that they've got screwed over. So, which was, I thought was pretty funny, but also pretty accurate. But like, that's the case that just still bothers me with the SEC. I'm like, I, again, I get the intention of the rule, but you're talking about something that happens not very often. I mean, court storming, just off the top of my head, I know that sometimes teams will do it against Kentucky and whatnot, but. When it comes to what we saw against with Arkansas, that was the biggest court storming you've probably had in the SEC in a long time. Like nothing came close to that. Nothing. There's not ever going to be that many fans at any other arena that storms the court. Just doesn't happen. So I don't, I don't know if you know if if, you, if you're using that as the barometer as being the highest level and the craziest of court storming, and nobody got hurt, everything was okay. Uh, you know, it was a, it was quite a mob scene and it was bedlam, but 
everybody was okay out of it. Great. So why are you fining people 200? Why are you fining schools $250,000 for this? And then against Texas in football, yeah, they stormed the field. But why are you finding them? I guess at that time, point in time, it was like $100,000 or whatever. It just, I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to celebrate the celebration, if you will, and be able to promote it as your own and such a cool thing, I don't feel like you should, it's a, you should have the right to go and find those schools for that. It's like you want to take all the publicity from it while also punishing the school that did it. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know if they can change the rule in any way. I don't know if there's something that they can do to to put into it to make it a little bit more understandable and maybe uh, better for where it's still discouraging it, but while also encouraging it at the same time, as weird as that is to say, like enjoying it and embracing it while also trying to make it to where it's not a an all-the-time thing. Like maybe get you like one free court storm or field storm every two years or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think of ways to possibly make it better than what it is. But the SEC doing this, I, I think is wrong. I think the rule needs to be changed. Uh, I think the $250,000 fine, of course, 100-year check's happy to pay. Most schools will be happy to pay it as well. But it's like, where does that money go to, like, when, the, when SEC fines Arkansas $250,000, where does that money go? Like, do they redistribute it to other schools? Do they put it in their back pocket? Do they, you know, I know they don't pay more officials because, or train officials, we know that. So maybe, maybe that's what it should go to. That's what it should be at. That's what it should happen. Let's continue to storm fields and courts as the SEC institutions, as long, and, and we'll happily pay, or I guess say we, they will happily pay $250,000 as long as the fines go towards improving the officiating in the Southeastern Conference across the entire board. How about that? Then that way, not only would most schools be happy writing a check, they would say, hey, span, storm the field and court all you can. Come on down. You, you beat a 4-7 and seven team. Let's go. Get out there on the field. We got officiating to improve in this conference. Now that, my friends... I could get on board with that, but you are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, um, uh, you know, Arkansas playing Alabama this weekend. That's pretty big. And, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is have a letdown after a big game like that, uh, especially all things considered of what you're getting right now. Like, you know, the rankings and AP polling and all that stuff, it doesn't come out until, I guess, Monday, right? So if it doesn't come out till Monday, you still got time to be able to improve your resume uh, against Alabama, who's 15-9 and nine overall. They're 5-6 and six in conference play. They beat Ole Miss last night on the road, put up 97 against Ole Miss, so which that's pretty impressive. But that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted Alabama to score a ton and have a great game against Ole Miss because, you know, history shows at least that if you are a team that blow or has a really great offensive performance, it's hard to follow it up with something similar. Uh, look at when Arkansas beat Georgia on the road and scored 99 points or whatever, 98, 99 points, I guess is what it was. Uh, no, it was 99. 
Like, imagine them, you know, doing that. And then when they played Mississippi State on Saturday, they still won, but it was a much, much different offensive performance. Like, it's hard to have back-to-back incredible games. And so that's exactly what I wanted to see from Alabama. And with the way that Arkansas is playing defense right now, and we know how well defense travels, uh, I, I really like Arkansas's chances to, to go in there into Bama and win the game. But here's the thing about Bama. Bama might be the stupidest team in all of college basketball. 15 and 9, right? 5 and 6 in conference play, right? Okay. Let's look at some of their losses. Pretty weird. So they lost to Iona. Okay, well, you know, hey, Rick Patino's there. It's not, not too bad. They lost to Memphis. Well, that's not any good. Memphis is not a good basketball team. Uh, especially right now. They're not they're not looking too good. Davidson. Lost to Davidson? Okay. I mean, they, I know that they, you know, Steph Curry ain't there right now, but uh weird. At Missouri, ew. At Mississippi State, ew. At Georgia, ew. What? Now they lost to Auburn twice and they did uh you know lose to Kentucky. But still, it's like, what? Those are terrible losses. Some of those, like Missouri and Georgia, Davidson. Come on now. Let's look at some of their wins. Gonzaga. Houston. What? Tennessee. LSU. Baylor. What? What a Jekyll and Hyde type of team. It's like the most bipolar team I've ever seen. So that's where it's like it worries me where... Like, Bama can look really terrible, and then they can also look really great. So I'm really hoping that they looked really great against Ole Miss, and on Saturday in Tuscaloosa, they look really bad against Arkansas. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, that game's going to be at 11 a.m. It's going to be on the SEC Network, uh, which is interesting because I can't remember the last time that Arkansas played an early game like that. So uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be curious to see how that all uh, how that all plays out as far as you know, an early time and all that. But I, I was a little worried, too, because, again, I feel like Arkansas can win, but the spread hasn't been released or anything like that. I always like looking at ESPN's, uh, I guess it's called BPI, uh, Basketball Power Index, and it always kind of gives the little percentages of the chances to win. They give Alabama a 70% chance to win this game. I don't like that. Like, I get that it's just, you know, numbers and based on that, but I see that, I'm like, hey, I don't really like that. I don't want to really want to see that. Uh, I, I I was hoping it would be at least closer to 50. Like, it wasn't going to be surprising to see Alabama uh, pick to win or favor to win in this game, but I would have liked to have seen that uh, a little bit closer to Arkansas. But here's the thing. Again, Arkansas, great defensive team. They're flying high. Do not have an emotional letdown because here's the thing. If you want to be a great team, you can't have emotional letdowns. In the NCAA tournament, every win you're every win you're going to have is going to be an awesome celebratory win. Because it means you go to the next round. You survive in advance. You can't let the highs of the highs get to you in your next performance. That's what worries me. And that's going to be, this team has been having tests all year long. That's going to be the next big test. How do they handle those coming off of those big wins? Do they feel themselves too much? Do they allow themselves to get too complacent? Or do they understand that the job's not done? They got a lot more work to do and they're going to go out and take care of business. That's the ultimate question, and we'll see this weekend. Bet online as you cover this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through its playoffs right to the big game here in a couple of weeks. 
BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has the up-to-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, right along with live, real-time updates on current games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing new offers available for the 2022 season. So be sure to head over to BetOnline.net where the game starts. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so the final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, a little football update for everybody. So Arkansas has five Razorback football players that are being invited to the NFL Combine this year. Traylon Burks, of course, being the uh, the one that kind of led the way and being talked about. But uh, he's going there, as well as cornerback uh, Monteric Brown, Buster Brown, offensive lineman Myron Cunningham, defensive lineman John Ridgway, and edge rusher Trey Williams are all the ones that will be among the 324 prospects at the event March 1st through the 7th at Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis. So uh, that'll be uh, that'll be pretty cool to see uh, how they end up uh, playing and performing and all of that. Now, we know that Burks is pretty like, – I would be shocked if he didn't go at least in the first round. Like, I think that that's all but sewn up. Like, he's going for – he's a first-round player. Um, I think Ridgeway will get – drafted I don't know where I could see like fifth round something like that maybe fourth or fifth round and I could also see Monteric Brown getting drafted it would have to be really late uh but we'll see maybe these guys these other guys can be able to step up in a major way in, in the NFL combine and kind of get that publicity and that acknowledgement and people noticing them too uh here uh this uh when it comes up because here's the thing about Burks like I think Burks we know. We know how great he is. We know how great of a wide receiver he is. We know how amazing of an athlete he is. Like, we know. And I think that the majority of people who have watched Razorback football and have watched Traylon Burks also know just how good he is. I think everybody sees that. But when it comes to a lot of these NFL mock drafts from experts, Mel Kuyper and all that, I don't think they have done enough justice to giving the credit that credit is due to Traylon Burks. I think that they a lot of times they've had him way too low. They've had him being like the third or fourth receiver taken in the draft in some of them. Like, I'd be hard-pressed to think that there are that many wide receivers that are better than what Traylon Burks is. And that's why I feel like when he goes to the NFL Combine, he is going to get a lot of people opening their eyes and be like, holy balls, this guy's actually really good. When they start doing his measurables, looking at his hand size of nearly a foot, when they start seeing his vertical leap, his speed, all of his athleticism going on there, as well as his mentality and the fact that he's a tough kid, battled through injury a lot this year, great at blocking downfield, just does all the things needed to help the team win. Uh, I think that wherever he ends up is going to be a huge, huge bonus and an awesome thing for him. I can't, I really, you know, selfishly, I'd like to go see him at a team that I like. And I know most people don't want to see him at the Jets. I'd like to see him at the Jets just selfishly. But again, that's me. <laughs> Nobody else would. But I still do, if, if it's not like my own personal team, I'd like to see him go to a place where he at least can be in an offense that has a decent enough quarterback that can get him the ball. I, I don't want to see him go to the Detroit Lions. I don't want to see him go there. I don't want to see him ending up like with the Washington Guardians or whatever they're called now. Yeah, like I don't, I don't want to see him in those situations. 
So it's almost like I want to see him drafted pretty high, but not too high. You know, like have him go someplace that's got a uh, a real positive feeling when it comes to their quarterback play and possibly where they could work their way up and and continue to to improve as an offense. Like maybe go into a situation that has a younger quarterback that has a lot of potential and promise and then step into there. Like I was thinking about like, what about like uh, the Chargers? Or they're not a great team. Like they were close to being a playoff team. Uh, he could go out there and, uh, you know, maybe maybe do something in that offense. Like I could, I'd like to see that. Uh, you know, maybe a team depending on where – because that's another thing, too, we got to think about, like, with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, what if they're not at the Packers or the Seahawks next year? What if they go to one of these bad teams that don't have a good quarterback situation and they become good, and then Burks goes there? Like, something like that would be really cool, too. Uh, I'm not holding my breath because I don't know exactly what's all going to go down in NFL free agency and all that stuff, but still. Uh, that'll be right around the corner. It'll be cool to see those guys uh, performing in the first week of March when it comes to the NFL Combine as well. Uh, real quick, though, I want to announce that uh, for those of you, again, I appreciate all of you who listen into the podcast and subscribe and on YouTube and everything. Tomorrow's podcast is going to be an awesome one because Alyssa Lang is going to be joining us here on the podcast. Now, uh, Alyssa's cool. Like, I love Alyssa. I've, I've met her in uh, SEC Media Days a few times, and she was in Fayetteville at the, at the game for Arkansas and Auburn, uh, and she was doing reporting there, too. And we're going to talk about her experience. And she apparently has some really good stories that she was telling me about, too. So we're going to hear from that. And she's, of course, of the SEC Network. So uh, I look forward to that. And I just wanted to tease that a little bit heading into tomorrow's podcast. So that should be a lot of fun and should be pretty interesting to see how it all goes down. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.